Welcome to the shitposter.club anime review podcast. I am Dad, your host. With me is special guest, Allbones Jones. Hello. We're here to talk about the Castlevania series. The games, the cartoons, the music, all of it. Yeah, I uh, cut the tail end of the last podcast and saw the Castlevania anime brought up and... Uh, Did, w- boy, wait, 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 wait. Did you what? call it an anime? I mean, it is an anime, just like Avatar. No, I don't actually care. Go ahead. (laughs) Look, it's animated in Korea, just like all the other anime. Obviously, that means that it's an anime. Just like most American cartoons. Yeah. Anyway. Animated in a Korean sweatshop that qualifies it as an anime. It's simple. (laughs) Yeah, I saw the first season when it came out in 2017. In fact, Uh, I... I have no clue. Yeah, in fact, we watched it for a shit poster movie night one night. I thought it was okay, but it, it appears you didn't like it quite as much, so complain about it to us. I will start with the one point of praise that I have for it. That's blood and guts. The fight scenes were good. Yeah, I could tell what was going on. They also were, like, super not Japanese fight scenes. There was a lot of use of, like, the combatants' weight and grappling in the fights, which is honestly a lot closer to how, you know, Europeans actually fight. And I like that. Yeah, it felt kind of like the early Castlevania games where uh, you can't uh, control the direction of your jump after you're already in the air. Everything's heavy, and you have to carefully commit to every move, like in a real fight. I, yeah. I enjoy that. Yeah, and, uh... You just hated that's... everything else. Yeah. Yes, God, yes. Oh, right. my God, yes. I... Tell us. Okay. So, the starting plot is that uh, Dracula's wife got killed because... I think it was just because she was, like, researching science and the church is evil? Yeah, the people thought she was a witch. Yeah. But to be fair, she is fucking a vampire. Which, like, I could spend <laughs> the next hour explaining about how that's all fucking, like, shitting on the games. Like, okay, first off, witches and spellcasters in the games are trained by the church because it's a useful skill to have to defeat Dracula. 
which is uh, shockingly actually historically accurate. While they didn't call them witches, they divided magic users into the clever folk, who just, you know, had magic and served God, versus the witches, who had magic and served Satan. But historically, the church was totally fine with magic users, as long as they weren't doing it evil with it. Uh, yeah, even in the er early games, you can see like heavy use of crosses and other uh, Catholic imagery. Yeah, I mean, fucking Sifa Belnades from, uh, you know, in the anime, in the original games, she was an orphan who was orphaned by Dracula, taken in by the church, and studied magic in order to fight back against the forces of darkness. Instead of having the literal opposite backstory in the anime. Uh, yeah, the, the anime definitely takes a lot of unnecessary liberties. They could have just straight done the story of Symphony of the Night or one of the other more interesting games, and it would have been great instead yeah. of just okay. But uh, asking the fucking idiot Californians to actually have any respect for source material or, like, any appreciation for anything that's good instead of overtly worshipping the most evil, disgusting bullshit they can come up with. <laughs> that's... That's never gonna happen. Well, the writer of the first season was Warren Ellis. He's actually British, but... Yeah, he has that California mentality. He's spiritually Californian. <laughs> yeah. Wonder if holy water works against him. It just might. But, uh, yeah, the other thing, oh, the actual thing they could have done with Lisa and Dracula's wife in that backstory could have by itself made for a really interesting series. Yeah, you mean made a romance series out of it, not just action? No! Okay, so, Lament of Innocence, first game of the timeline, start of the Belmonts when Dracula became Dracula. Uh, the... Basic outline of the plot, as I guess this might technically be spoiling something for those of you who care about a 20-year-old video game. Um, basically, Dracula was out at the Crusades, fighting in the Crusades to defend his homeland and his wife. And she passed away from illness, and he blamed God for that. What he saw was, you know, him doing the right thing, him defending the faith, him serving God's will, and getting punished for it. By God. And that's why he... And it, uh, what the fuck is the exact line? Uh, something like, if it's God's will that men must die, then I'll spit in the face of God and become immortal? Something like that. Yeah, Which and is why he he, that's how, how he became the undead master of evil. Yeah, he used his family's knowledge of alchemy to become Dracula. But, uh, at the same time, the first Belmont, whose name escapes me at the moment, was it Leon? Uh, there's the one lady from the Game Boy games, but she was retconned out of existence. Yeah. No, the first, the first Belmont in the current timeline, who is the protagonist of this game, uh, also loses his wife. And her soul becomes the basis for turning the Whip of Alchemy into the Vampire Killer. And over the grief of the death of his wife, he swear he blames evil men for using their free will to harm others. And 
swears to be a bulwark against the darkness. And that right there, even though I'm sure it's executed, in, er, executed incredibly clumsily and awkwardly in the games, would make for a fantastic actual story for something that focused on the story. Because realistically, what it is, is a story of two men in similar circumstances, both losing the women they loved, both really losing it to the same thing, in Dracula's case, losing it because he was fighting against evil. In uh, Belmont's case, losing it because evil attacked her directly. And both of them dealing with the grief of loss in different ways. Right. And while that's already a basis for the story, the fact that it has a strong religious component means that he could have a fun little rehash of the argument of uh, whether or not humans having free will is truly a righteous thing. And that, by itself, is a recipe for a deep philosophical thought-provoking story that they could have done but didn't. Yeah, but on the other hand, church bad. <laughs> that's a, that's your new story. Yeah. God, what was it? The second episode where you had like the evil priest fail to defend the town and then like he whipped up an angry mob to kill Belmont and uh as soon as he died, the angry mob suddenly stopped being angry and started listening. To Trevor, and I'm just like, what? 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 It's an angry mob. You don't just instantly pacify them. What the fuck is this writing? Well, that's how people on Twitter feel when they're talking to us lowly peasants. Uh... But, yeah, in the games, the only evil priest is Shaft, and he literally serves the devil. Well, there's also the uh, priest in Order of Ecclesia. Oh, yeah. Uh... And Shaft isn't to my knowledge, at least, I believe Shaft isn't a Christian priest. I believe he was a priest of a heretic faith in the games. Yeah, and he's usually a sub-boss before death. Whereas the uh, priest in Order of Ecclesia was a Dracula worshipper who had systematically infiltrated the church. Right. Which also could have made a decent animated series. Oh yeah, absolutely it could have. Yeah, Ecclesia has an underrated story. I like that game a lot. Even has a vibrant cast of NPCs with interesting relationships that you could turn into, like, not really like a slice of life, but you could have a nice contrast between uh, Shinoa going out and murdering dudes. Yeah, and, and also uh, saving people. And saving people, and coming back to the town and, like, messing around with them and having characterization and showing off how... Showing off the wonderful contrast between Shinoa being a total stone-cold badass and also a super awkward spurk. Yeah, that would have been great. That's the kind of thing Japan would have made with a Castlevania anime, if they had cared. Yeah. Yeah, there's lots of reasons to complain about the animated series, and you haven't even seen the new one, which is horrendous beyond all description. Yeah, I mean, I'm vaguely aware that the... Uh... Was the head director or head writer? I don't know. Some fat black chick made like a self-insert <laughs> with uh, black girl magic and all sorts of stupid shit and just did not care about the source material in the slightest. Uh... Yeah, they took the character from Rondo of Blood that um, Victor is trying to save. Uh, Annette is her name. Yeah. Uh, let's just give her a skin swap and turn her into a 21st century blacktivist. It's like, this is embarrassing. 
Oh my god. It's like, that's bad enough, but the fact that it's a shallow self-insert by someone on the staff is just... These people should have their hands cut off, honestly. Not sure that would be enough. It'd be enough to stop them from doing most tasks. Oh, they could still talk. They could. You'd have to take extra steps to fully cleanse the evil. Well... I don't know, there'd be enough of a social stigma about having your hands chopped off for creating fucking awful works. That uh, I think other people would be like, oh yeah, I don't want to be like them. They do stupid things and get their hands chopped off for it. No, I, I was making a joke about them being evil undead monsters that are hard to kill. Uh, no, no. Sorry, my autism kicked in. I can't tell jokes properly. I'm thinking purely in practical terms because I wasn't telling a joke with the hands chopped off thing. <laughs> I thought you said heads chopped off. No, no, hands, hands. Uh, yeah, on this podcast, we we complained about American cartoons and this, the state of Hollywood quite a bit, but I'd like to keep things positive. So how about we switch <laughs> topics to the games? Sure. So, well, so, so which was the first one you played? Simon's Quest. Yeah. And uh, I know that the internet shits on Simon's Quest for... Uh, Absolutely, for you know, well, really, they shit on it because of the AVGN episode. Mostly, yeah. Uh, I was a kid in the 80s and I, I played Simon's Quest, but I also had Nintendo Power, which explains some of the secrets. So I didn't, I wasn't able to get frustrated by it. Hmm. I didn't have anything like that. I was just, well, I had Nintendo Power, but I didn't have the Simon's Quest one. Yeah. So uh, I was going through it blind and I still quite enjoyed myself and really think someone should try and revisit the concept. Well, there's been a recent ROM hacks that try to make it uh, more playable by modern standards. I mean, like it g gives you a mini map. Uh, the townspeople don't lie to you. So it still has uh, cryptic puzzles you need to solve in strange ways, but the townspeople give you actually useful clues instead of gibberish. See, that's one of the things that I really want to revisit. A lot of the lies were deliberate. There were Dracula supporters seated into the various NPCs that were deliberately trying to fuck you over. Yes, some people blame that on a bad translation, but that is not the case. Uh, there's and I a... think that's a really interesting concept for a video game if approached with modern technology. Yeah, some NPCs give you useful information, and in fact some are required but some are also liars who want to destroy you. Exactly. Like, think of something like, say, The Witcher, where you're doing side quests and gathering information before actually hunting down, like, an enemy. I've never played The Witcher. Don't yell at me if I'm wrong about this. But uh, what you're doing is gathering information on, you know, where the mansion is, how to get to it, what lies inside, what it is you need to kill... And some of the NPCs are deliberately misleading you, and you have to identify who. Yeah, the idea has potential there. It's just, for a game from, when was that? 88, I think? 87. 87. So, yeah, plus it was on a co console that had a pretty limited text. So, uh, it was really ambitious for what they were trying to do. Uh, I, I still like Castlevania too, but 
Yeah, I understand some of the complaints as well. Yeah, it was too ambitious for its hardware, but I think a lot of the original ideas, not the execution, but the ideas themselves, could finally be successfully pulled off with modern tech, and I really want to see someone to make, like, The Witcher, but you hunt vampires. Well, and w there's the Dark Souls NPC who, uh, some of them uh, try to be your friends at first, or at least act like it, and they might be betray you based on your actions like the yep. the bald guy you meet early in the game what's his name Pate? patches patches so if we're going to go for dark souls my favorite npc betrayer has to be maldron the assassin uh, which game was that in two in the dlc oh i did i don't think i beat two. Oh, that's I can understand why, but it's kind of a shame because it had some of the funniest fucking ideas in any single Dark Souls game. So Yeah. Well, that game just had a big emphasis on fighting multiple opponents at a time, and that just gave me a headache. I do not have the skill level for that, unlike some people on this podcast. <laughs> uh, I still need to go back and visit, finish stringing together the blindfolded run I came up with for Dark Souls. Yeah, for but anyway. listeners who don't know... <laughs> Jones has beaten several of the games while blindfolded. He is incredible. Yeah, I've actually got a whole uh, playlist on YouTube. You can look up All Bones Jones on YouTube. You'll see a bunch of Fear and Hunger guides. But if you scroll past that, you can find the recordings of me beating every single Dark Souls 1 boss blindfolded. Yeah, true dedication to Vidya. I applaud you. Bed of Chaos is like a four-hour video. <laughs> That's the one with lava everywhere, right? Yeah, and the pits. But uh, to circle back what I was talking about with the assassin, basically, you're wandering around in a place, right? And right. you see a white phantom like you had summoned him. And okay. he, he waves at you when you approach and doesn't attack you and acts like super friendly and will like literally use the point gesture to point out where you need to go and uh, point out levers and whatnot. And you can lock onto him. He definitely qualifies as an enemy, but if you hit him a couple of times, he won't react to it. If you hit him a bunch of times, he'll run away and hide, but initially he's just a seemingly friendly guy. And then he waits till you go for a lever or uh, open a chest and then backstabs you with the highest backstab weapon in the game and usually kills you instantly with it and then taunts. Yeah, that's the kind of thing Castlevania 2 probably should have gone for, but I don't know how much would have been possible with the technology at the time. Uh, oh. I know there there are lots of complex CRPGs from the 80s, but I'm not sure exactly like how much they they were trying to imitate that or how much they were just trying to expand upon the first Castlevania game. I don't know. Honestly, I think something like that would work well in a theoretical, not even remotely a remake of uh, Simon's Quest. Like, think about it. You have a guy who claims to have valuable information about the next vampire that you need to hot or cult that you need to kill or where the next body part is, and he leads you out to a place, and it's just some random place in the woods, and then it, he reveals he's a werewolf and tries to murder you. That's that's perfect! Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see a new uh, Metroidvania game with stuff like that. I don't even think it would be a Metroidvania. I legitimately think it would be more like a uh, third-person RPG, again, like The Witcher. 
because a lot of the concepts that it tried wouldn't really work in uh, any sort of side-scrolling format. It had some really high advanced concepts that are just... You can't do that kind of shit on the NES, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, the NES had a shockingly low amount of RAM. And they had to use all sorts of programmers' tricks just to get more than a couple objects on the screen at once. And eventually yeah. they just started putting more chips into the cartridges to, to do things that the console itself couldn't do. Yeah, like two-directional scrolling and uh, all sorts of fun stuff like that. Yeah, look at a late NES game like Kirby's Adventure, and it feels like a, it's from a different era. Better yet, go check out Rockman 4 Minus Infinity. I've seen that. That does some incredibly cool things. It works on a real hardware. Oh, so it does things better than the original programmers. Yeah, it it is absolutely psychotic. Some of the uh, visual effects that it has would genuinely be difficult for most people to pull off on the friggin' PlayStation, and this goddamn wizard did it on the NES. Yeah, that's incredible. Nintendo or Capcom should just hire that guy. I know it's I 30 years think... after the game was made, but if, if someone has that much dedication to a game and that level of programming expertise, I would want to hire them. Hell, even more than that, do you remember how Nintendo wanted to have Mario ride Yoshi since the first game, but couldn't pull it off? Yeah, I also heard they were thinking about giving him a gun in the first game, but amongst other ideas they ruled out. So, Rockman 4 Minus Infinity has rideable ride armors. What, from the X Games? Uh, just like in the X Games, but instead of using the sprites from the X Games, it's every single Joe vehicle. All in the one cartridge that plays on real hardware. Yes. <laughs> just incredible. Like, the size of, you know the big old Walker Joes that they had in Mega Man 2 that they would have, like, one on screen at a time because it would lag the game to shit? Yeah. Yeah, this fucking wizard has you piloting one of those and getting into fights against two or three of those used by enemies at the same time without slowdown. Yeah, and it doesn't slow down like Dio just activated the world. Man, yeah, some of these internet nerds are so incredibly dedicated to their craft. I, I'm in awe of it. Absolutely incredible. Ooh, totally unrelated shift of topic, but does Bloodstained Ritual of the Night count as a Castlevania for the sake of this podcast? Might as well. I, I did beat that game. I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, I think it's one of the few games that, like, is better than Symphony of the Night. Yeah, I know it's basically against the law to criticize Symphony of the Night amongst these internet nerd circles, but yeah, it does have some problems. Oh, absolutely. Late game balance, the fact that the entire second half is just super rushed and everything's either way too easy or way too hard. Yeah, tons of worthless items. A couple hilariously overpowered ones. The friggin' shield rod. But yeah, it's... Basically, it's just, hey, let's take Symphony of the Night, add in the cool stuff we learned from Order of Ecclesia and Area of Sorrow, and then just do it better. And that's Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, and you should go play it. Yeah, that game is really good, and they just keep adding more extra stuff year after year. More playable characters, more modes, 
It's great. Yeah, like there's a classic mode, which is just like, yeah, here's a bonus Castlevania one, like inside the game for free using the assets because, you know, just for fun. Yep, enjoy the old, deliberately clunky controls and just enjoy the challenge. Apparently, the next update is going to have just a free Castlevania 2 inside the game for free. <laughs> just another as well as multiplayer. Free, just another free Metroidvania inside your Metrovania. Like Exhibit made the game for you. It's absolutely psychotic. Fucking incredible game. It's not without its flaws. I think they could have uh, improved a couple of things, namely the final boss. I thought the final boss was all right. I found it super frustrating because I could never tell where, like, the actual hurt boxes were. And I, like, refused to use any items, including food in any boss fight, so I was always fighting them with zero buffs. Oh, I yeah, I see how that can be frustrating. Because you can just take damage and not know where it's coming from. Yeah. And I mean, that's not a huge issue if you're willing to use healing potions to cancel that out, but I'm not. I refuse. <laughs> I want to no-hit your goddamn bosses, game. Uh, have you played that on hard mode? I have not. I have played Order of Ecclesia on hard mode, though. Okay, uh, Bloodstained on hard mode is... I got all the way to the final boss after fighting the first form like 40 or 50 times. I finally fucking beat her. And then I just had no chance whatsoever against the final boss. Hmm. So it, unlike most hard modes, it's it actually lives up to its name. It's incredibly difficult, and I can appreciate that. Yeah, I remember struggling a lot with Order of Ecclesia's hard mode until I realized the technique. Of not getting hit? Yeah, because there's this ring that you can get called the Death Ring, which adds, like, plus 44 to all your stats, but you die the next time you get hit. But you die in one or two hits anyway, so it's just <laughs> the best item at all times. And I stacked that with a... God, what was it? It's one of them Dracula souls that gives you plus 66 to all of your stats, but you constantly take tons of damage and have like three seconds to live before it kills you. Yeah, Dominus something. Yeah, I just stacked those and was like, yeah, I'm just going to berserk through everything that you do without getting hit and kill you in about two seconds. Let's go. Oh, did somebody say berserk? <laughs> uh, I don't think berserk is a Castlevania game. Uh, the Dreamcast game was decent. For Castlevania, uh, my first one, it was either one or two. I was so young, I cannot remember which one I was playing at the time. So it could have been either one. But I remember the third one had not come out yet. I know for a fact that I started with two. I believe after that I got... Oh, what was the bad Super Nintendo one? Dracula X? Yes! Got that and had a miserable time because that game is just unfair. Yeah, that one's made... Uh, uh, it's like a recycled, crappier version of Rondo, isn't it? Yeah. Amazing music, particularly for the Super Nintendo, but, like, the easiest way to describe why you shouldn't play that game is because in the second phase of Dracula, half of the floor is gone, and it's just pillars. And if you get hit at all, you get knocked into a hole and die. 
Now, how's that any different from Ninja Gaiden or any of the other really tough platformers? Because Ninja Gaiden doesn't have holds in the final boss fight, and it doesn't send you back like a bajillion friggin' years when you game over. It does if you lose to one of the three final bosses. It sends you back to the start of the current stage. Which is freaking tough. It is. But that's a lot more reasonable than start the game over. Yeah, or I guess enter is. password and restart from the thing. But, it's, ugh. but now Ninja Gaiden doesn't have like instant kills on any of its boss fights. And you can just mash through them pretty quickly. Uh, I could never beat the second of the three final bosses. The Jackio flying around form. Hmm. I haven't played any of them in ages, but I did beat all three on the NES. Oh, I know for the third one, they made the American version harder. They gave you limited continues, and I think some enemies deal more damage. Hmm. It's sort of like what happened to the third Castlevania on the NES. Yeah. Yeah, they mess around with some of the values and some of the le level layouts, etc. They made it worse. Uh, I haven't played a ton of Castlevania 3, so I'm not really qualified to judge which version is better. I've played a shitload of both versions, so let me tell you objectively why you should play the Japanese version, and not just because it has the better music. <laughs> okay. So, in the American version, how much damage you take is based on what level you're on. A bat in level 1 will deal 1 damage. A bat in uh, level 12 will deal, like, 6 damage. Yeah, it's way too hard for me. In uh, the Japanese version, enemies have fixed damage values. Bats will deal 1 damage. Gargoyles with shields will deal 6 damage. Yeah, it's much more reasonable. And there's much more balanced, too, because the small, fast enemies don't hit hard. And the big, slow enemies do, so you actually get to make meaningful decisions about what you want to deal with immediately in order to decide whether or not you want to get uh, hit with small attacks or want to risk a bigger, slower attack. It's great! You get to, like, play a video game and make decisions about what you're doing. That's what video games should do. Yeah, the way the American version works is you just need to practice a few thousand more hours until you get decent at it. Also, they ruined Grant in the American version. Oh, how did they change him? So in the American version, he has, like, this dagger that has, like, four pixels of range and does bad damage. Yeah, and you're, you're supposed to make up for that with his agility. In the Japanese version, his standard weapon is the throwing knife. Oh, so the regular sub-weapon? The regular sub-weapon. That is a regular uses. attack, and it doesn't cost hearts. Oh, yeah, that is much better. Also, they cut him out of the new cartoon entirely, from what uh, I heard. I'm mad about that. He's my favorite. Dude dresses like a pirate and can climb on walls like a ninja because he's the forbidden crossbreed of ninja and pirate. <laughs> I didn't even consider that, but yeah, you're you're right. In my head, that's what he's always been. He's been a pirate ninja. Oh, uh, have you ever played the the, uh, the early arcade games, Vampire Killer and Haunted Castle? No. Or, I think Vampire Killer was for MSX. I got the Wikipedia entry open right now. 
Yeah, I've seen other people like let's play them, but I've never played them myself. So they don't look particularly appealing. Uh, yeah, they're even harder, even less fun versions of Castlevania One. So I can't recommend them. Plus, they're also just non-canons. I don't have to worry about you know keeping up to date on the timeline and the important Castlevania lore. Oh, you care about the storyline to this crap? I mean, of course I do. It's canon to Dark Souls, and I need to be the Dark Souls lore master. You don't need to be the lore master. You're an expert at playing them. Those are different things. Right, but I want to be both. <laughs> All right. Oh, why, I wish would, that... why would I tolerate having middling stats when I could have amazing stats at everything? Come on. It's a lot of work, that's why. Power gaming's fun, though, and it's not work if you enjoy it. That's true. Well, it's been nine years since they released a game in this series, so they're probably just going to make pachinko games forever. Yeah, it's a bad time, bad decade, bad probably two decades to yeah. be a Konami fan. Yeah, the last good game was Order of Ecclesia from 2008, so it's... Yeah, it's been a while, but we do have Bloodstained and the the two uh, NES-styled Bloodstained games. Those are decent as well. There's a NES-style fan game that I've been keeping an eye on. Can't remember its name right at the moment, but it's uh, the one where you play as Julius Belmont and finally kill Dracula. Oh, the long-lost 1999 story. Yeah! Someone's making a game about it, and I've looked at it, and it looks absolutely awesome because it does like the historical accuracy thing that a lot of Castlevanias low-key do. I got a folder full of Castlevania fan games, but the only ones I've played are the Lacard Chronicles. I've never heard of those. That sounds interesting. Yeah, the first one was from like 2010, so it's kind of primitive, but I enjoyed it. And uh, the second one feels more like a modern game. It's from, like, 2017. So I'll put those in the show notes. Oh, there's also... Speaking of not quite Castlevanias, you can tide yourself over with the Tohovania games. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I played the one with the Time Stop Girl. Yeah, the good one. Yeah, I think that was made by the same people who made that Record of Lodos War game. I would be surprised because, I mean, I guess I could look it up. I don't think Banpai Akira got uh, drafted for that, but I don't know. I'd have I'd recognize his art anywhere, though. Well, I just remember the games playing similarly and having like this similar-looking menus, so I assume they were the same developer. Let me let me look it up. Uh, Frontier Raya, as far as I've well, Aja. How's it pronounced? Aja. I I don't remember one of the two. I believe they only made two games. It wouldn't be surprised if those, like the Tohovania games, were stuff that they made in their spare time as indie games. But uh, it would be a different company with the same staff, basically. Oh, they were both made by Team Ladybug. I was right. Team Ladybug? Yeah, Toho Luna Knights and Alolos Oh, Luna War. Knights is not the one that I'm talking about. Oh, which one are you talking about? Uh, Stranger's Requiem. It's, uh, literally, I believe... Okay, Komajo Densetsu 2, yes. Stranger's Requiem. Komajo Densetsu. 
from 2010. I have not played this. Oh, you should. It is a classic Vania, but with the controls and uh, conceits of a modern Egovania. You know, I, I have a bunch of Toho fan games. Let me see if I already have it. I do. Oh, you should I, definitely give it a whirl. Yeah, I downloaded this three years ago. I guess I haven't played it. Believe right. it or not. I promise I'll play this and get back to you. Oh, you're going to have a great time. Well, until you play a... Well, actually, let me clarify this real quick. Once you've beaten the game, make sure to play it a second time on hard mode. Once you've beaten Stranger's Requiem, play it a second time on hard mode. There are a lot of extra stuff? Yes. The way hard mode works in this game is not that they, like, jack up the numbers or increase the number of enemies or, like, boost their health. The way it works is that it just adds new enemies. Oh, all new enemies or just taking stuff from later levels or, or what? Uh... Roughly a third of the enemies you run into on hard mode only show up on hard mode. All right, that sounds cool. If it's you... so well done because, like, instead of dancing around this one thing that's hanging out in this one place, you now got like a dragon also harassing you. Uh, if you listen to a, a few episodes ago of this podcast, we talked about that puzzle game Void Stranger. Some people have been spurging out over it because it has. It has a lot of lore to obsess over, a lot of secrets, but um, when, once you get into the new game plus of that, that's when the story really unlocks. And there's, mm. an, there's an in-story reason for that, but you, you'll have to play or look up spoilers to find out. That's a freaking weird game, but... Yeah, it's a Finnish game, ain't it? Yeah, Fingolia is the land of freaking weird shit. Yep. Japan and Finland, proving that Asians are amazing at making video games. Yes, all hail glorious Fingolia. <laughs> I'll never get sick of that meme ever. It's, it's, it's great. Fun. Uh, yeah, I the, love portraying Finns with yellow skin and Fu Manchu mustaches. <laughs> Uh, it's... Look, look, I'm going to have an embarrassing confession live on this podcast, but my bloodline is 100% Swedish, and the ancestral blood memory of the Swedish oversoul compels me to bully Finn people. <laughs> Man, I can't tell the difference between Scandinavians. It's, that's, uh... just, that's the Marillard in me talking, though. Yeah. I'm sure Europeans can probably tell by their accent. Yeah, they sound... I mean, it's not even that they sound totally different. Most of it's mutually intelligible. But, uh... It's easy to tell the Finn apart. He's he's the one with the uh, Fu Manchu mustache. <laughs> he's the one with the straw hat who's riding a giant horse and shooting you with a bow and arrow. <laughs> so, we've talked about the classic Vanias. Let's talk about the Metroidvanias some more. Ah. Th wait, uh, would they be Metroidvanias or would they just be Vanias? Uh, we call them Metroidvanias just so we know what type of game we're talking about. A 2D side-scrolling action adventure where you get new items to unlock new areas of the map. 
I'm going to try and push the Japanese name for that genre because it makes a lot more sense. Search action games. Yeah, I like that better. I've never heard that, but I already like it better. Yeah, so the search action ones. Yeah, one Symphony of the Night came out. Um, I, I wasn't able to play it because my family's poor, but I just had it in my mind constantly. I'd see uh, screenshots of it in magazines and such, and around 2000, I was finally able to play it, and it really just fulfilled all of my expectations. I freaking loved it. I was obsessed with uh, finding every secret, listening to the music uh, outside of the game. Of course, I freaking love the cheesy acting in it. It's a shame they replaced that for the PSP version. Oh, it's so good. So, I actually have a really funny story about Symphony of the Night. Go ahead. So, in the PS1 era, it just completely flew over my head. I was not aware it even consciously existed. It was just, never saw a screenshot of it, never heard about it, never saw anyone discussing it. But, uh, what year did Unity launch? I don't know. Let me look this up. I think it was around 2010. 2005. 2005, really? Okay, I guess I heard about it only in like 2010 or so then. Maybe it was 2008? 2009, hmm. somewhere around then. Strange. Didn't know yeah, it was around, that early. Around 2009, I had this really clever and what I thought was unique idea for like a Metroid clone where you'd play as a holy warrior trying to shut down a castle and like i'd use stuff like fighting game inputs to uh let you do special attacks and stuff and like the intro was going to be like you sprinting up to the castle and then uh something would happen and you'd lose all of the powers that you started the game with and have to like yada 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 and someone pointed out wow you must be a huge fan of symphony of the night if you're basically just remaking it and you didn't know what it was not at all. I had accidentally recreated, like, the first hour of Symphony of the Night in Unity without even playing it. Oh, that's great. Like, even down to the map layout, I had the idea that I wanted the player to rush to the right because that's standard for video games. And then immediately after they uh, lost all their powers to the trap that they would then go upwards and left to show that this wasn't a simple straightforward platformer, but to help enlighten people that this was an exploration game where they'll have to go all sorts <laughs> of different directions. And if you're familiar with the infinite, in the intro of Symphony of the Night, they did the exact same thing yeah. for the exact same reasons. You independently came up with all of these correct ideas. Yes, I independently made Symphony, the first hour of Symphony of the Night without ever playing it. Well, and because, Konami made Symphony of the Night again and again. Yep, and because people kept comparing it, I was like, well, I guess I'll download a PS1 emulator and check this game out. And then I played it and was like, wow, this is way better than the thing that I was making. I guess I'm going to give up on that project. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. It's the Nintendo 64 games that I did not hear about at the time. I didn't find about those for quite a few years later. And when I finally played them, it's uh, they're just generic 3D platformers, except you have a whip sometimes. Like the and, two games on the PS2 are better at that. And also you can like uh, turn into a vampire or something? I didn't get very far. They just weren't fun. Hmm. 
Although, if you go back, you can find magazines from the time praising them for their cool new 3D graphics and insulting Symphony of the Night for having boring sprites. <laughs> ah, the good old days when early 3D was revolutionary technology, even if it looked like shit. Yep. So, Symphony of the Night, I freaking loved it. Uh, there's a guy on YouTube who he plays various challenges of the game. I think he's done it blindfolded. Um, let me look that up. I know blindfold is actually a speedrun category. Have you ever uh, seen someone do a Richter speedrun of Symphony of the Night? Yeah, they just dash and jump around. <laughs> yeah. Like a, like a grasshopper on crack. And they constantly do the air slash, which is a uh, 270 degrees input on the stick. And they do it like two to three times a second. Yeah, oh, my thumbs hurt just thinking about that. The other thing that hurts is your poor controller. There was a guy who used to uh, speedrun it on uh, Twitch that I used to watch. And that motherfucker had a controller graveyard. <laughs> he just had a pile of like a dozen controllers that he had worn out playing Symphony of the Night. Oh, man. When I break one controller from overuse, that's a major event. I know, this, this dude did that like every two, three months. So the guy I was thinking of is called Dragon Blitz. I'll put mm. that in the show notes, too. I have, in fact, never heard of this guy. Yeah, once I saw him, uh, he was on Twitch, and he, had, he was playing a special version of Symphony where people from the Twitch chat uh, could pay, like, Twitch coins to do stuff with... And it would give him afflictions within the game. like Oh, crowd control. I did that for Castlevania 1 once. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how it works, but it was fascinating to look at it. Having him reverse his controls or get status ailments or spawn extra enemies on screen. All decided by his chat. Yeah, it's, it's a fun little thing and a good way to make a couple of bucks as a Twitch streamer. And, uh, man, I didn't even know they made one for something tonight. Yeah, well, that's... That's the first time get... I, I saw, ever saw the idea. If you happen to ever get back into streaming, which is very unlikely, I might give that a whirl someday. Oh, your streams are fun. I just couldn't make them every day because you have them right in the middle of my sleep schedule. Hmm. So, Metroidvanias. I had to pick a favorite, metro, uh, favorite search actionvania, probably be Aria. Yeah. It's good. I'm just a huge fan of the way they incorporated the time period into it. The year 2035. Yep, the year 2035, which is why you start your starting weapon is a pocket knife, and you can find things like a pistol and have to fight undead soldiers that aren't, you know, dressed in armor and using a sword, but dressed in military fatigues and throwing grenades. Yeah, and you could get a rocket launcher, I believe. Yeah, I think that's in Dawn of Sorrow. Ah. But yes. Yeah, I played a lot of the DS ones when I was in college in the 2000s. Yeah, of, of the DS ones, I'm a huge fan of uh, Portrait of Ruin. Yeah, that game just has so many areas to explore. So much you can do with the two characters at once scheme. It doesn't have a particularly strong atmosphere or tone or story the way a standard Castlevania would. But it has music by Yuzo Koshiro, who's one of my all-time favorite composers. 
Yeah, amazing music, amazing gameplay, gorgeous graphics. And uh, if you can tolerate a sudden dash of, well, a sudden heaping of anime in your Castlevanias, then you'll really enjoy it. Yeah, I've seen some people complain about the art style of the later games. They get too, they're not as like gothic paintings anymore. They're more standard anime, but you know what podcast you're listening to? We love anime here. Yeah. But I uh, I understand the complaints. I like the old uh, classic stuff that looks like covers to D&D manuals. Yeah. Actually, that'd be a good thing to talk about. The, uh... I can't remember who ripped off who, but I do know that, like, the second edition uh, Ravenloft guide had almost an identical cover to, uh... I think it was Simon's Quest in Japan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember hearing about that, but I can't remember who ripped off who either. Uh, let me look it up. Yeah, the anime thing, I can see the complaint for Dawn of Sorrow, because Dawn of Sorrow was really trying to be a very serious, like, gothic horror game, and the anime just super clashed with it. But in Portrait of Ruin, it was trying to be, like, anime Castlevania. And it succeeded! Okay, that Ravenloft module came out in 83... And first Castlevania game was 86, so it's... Japan infringing D&D's copyright as usual. Yeah. Yeah, I've talked about Final Fantasy 1. Yeah, it's insane how little trouble they got for that. Uh, they did redraw one of the enemies that looked too much like a beholder. You mean the one that was called a beholder in Japan? Yes. But, <laughs> but they left in the mind flayers. Well, that's because, I don't remember if it's because they didn't use a space or did have a space, but there's a specific configuration of Mind Flayer in text that's copyright. Uh, I think it was at the time it was like, what, strategy games? What the hell was it called? TSR. TSR. Tactical Studies Rules. That one. I was obsessed with reading the second edition monster manual and stuff when I was a kid. But even more than that, the whole white mage, black mage, red mage thing, that's just Dragonlance. Okay, yeah, I can see that. And they have the three orders of high sorcery, the red robes, the black robes, and the red and the white robes. Yeah, and there's, a, there's an evil goddess that's a giant multi-headed dragon that probably inspired some Final Fantasy bosses. Yeah, an evil goddess uh, that's a multi-headed dragon with multiple elemental breaths called yeah, Tiamat. <laughs> like it it was just a bootleg second edition Dragonlance campaign. Like that's all it was. Uh, I saw one of the authors of those novels at a convention once, uh, Tracy Hickman. Yeah. Yeah. Shook his hand. He was a nice guy. Get anything signed by him or anything fun like that? Nope. Hmm. <laughs> Not a gigantic fan of Dragonlance. I always preferred Dark Sun and Planescape. But he was nice to me. I'm going to reveal my getting into it late cred and say that Eberron is my favorite. I've never played Eberron. Do you know anything about Eberron? Don't think I've read the manuals either. Okay, so Eberron is... The steampunk one, isn't it? Not really steampunk. It's, uh... It's almost literally just post-World War II Europe. Oh. It, yeah, that's... A setting you'd never see anywhere. It's actually one other place that I've seen it. 
which is oh, that, re-reading recently. But that I'll Tanya talk anime? No, Shinju no Nectar. Yeah, I've been reading that. <sighs> oh, man. It's great. You've got your political an- intrigue and your giant anime titties. Yes, it's a really fascinating, very mind games similar to Death Note, anime about primarily military tactics and the way technology can be used to disrupt enemy formations, about a guy who powers up by sucking on titties. Yeah, it's, it's freaking great. It... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what else do you need to say? It has everything I want in a comic. Yeah. It's smart and horny, somehow. Yeah, it's intelligent, it's horny, it's got a unique and memorable setting. Well, I say unique, but it's basically just Eberron. Yeah, I need to read some of the Eberron books. Have they made any novels out of them, or or just a I tabletop game? No idea. We search for Eberron novels. They exist. Okay. So I'll look up which one of these has the best reviews and give it a go. Uh, I've, I've read a lot of the Drist books when I was a kid. Mm. They have shitty stories and zero dimensional characters. Like everyone has a complete D&D stereotype. But the author is so freaking good at writing action scenes. I uh, read a lot of, what was it, Worlds of Power things as a kid? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've read some of those, too, where they took took the stories of NES games and the Isekai's a standard American kid into them or some shit. Yes, I need to... There was one for Castlevania 2 that was absolutely incredible. I didn't read that one. I read the Blaster Master and Ninja Gaiden ones. Of course, this was over 30 years ago, so don't ask me to remember much. Let me see if I can find what I'm thinking of. Uh, no, I can't. Well, maybe I might be able to find my clips. Well, clips that I've watched. But there's just, there's a fucking incantation at the end of the book of two, of Simon's Quest. That is like a lethal injection of cringe. It's incredible. As a failed writer myself, I love reading shitty writing. Uh, do I not have it anywhere anymore? No! Oh, I might have viewed it on my phone or something. I probably have a copy of that ebook somewhere, because I save absolutely everything that's even slightly interesting. But all I, would, I, just, I wouldn't know All I really remember about the incantation to seal away Dracula was that they had to censor sending you back to hell. With sending you back to the place of the sad. <laughs> it's like Magneto in the X-Men arcade game saying, X-Men, welcome to die. Yes, it's... Oh, but it's not like bad or... English. It's just horrible writing. <laughs> or in Secret of Mana, where they have the heck hound. Yes. Oh, my God. I might know someone. I know the guy whose clip that has. Let me see if he's online. He is not. God damn it. Because it. I'll have to hunt it down and send it to you later. It's just the most horrific thing you've ever seen. Yeah, I have a copy of the ebook, but I wouldn't know what to look for. I can send that to you if you want. Piracy oh, is freaking cool. 
it'd be right near the end if you can send it to me. Okay. Be able to look it up real quick. It's just oh my god. <laughs> it's agonizing. <laughs> look at <laughs> my all that is good and all that is bad. Bring back Dracula to this place of the sad. Can cure up his spirit from the air and fill up his body right there. Simon flung his whip end over the body parts. The effect was immediate and astonishing. A bolt of lightning blasted down and struck the pile of Dracula's parts with a mighty explosion. White smoke billowed up around it like a shroud. When it cleared, there stood the evil Count himself, Dracula. Back from the place of the sad. You weren't kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Shit's incredible. Uh, <laughs> this is definitely something worth reading. Not because you're going to enjoy it, because it's going to be so painfully bad, you're going to involuntarily enjoy it. Might <laughs> 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 be a good place, to, good place to end the show. We're not going to top that. By all that is good and all that is bad, let's send this podcast back to the place of the sad. <laughs> uh, not Gad Sad, the YouTuber. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Yeah, it's, it's been fun. Thanks for joining me. Okay. I, love, I love the Castlevania games, but my two co-hosts have barely played them. Oh, you should make them play good video games. I keep trying. Uh, cool, but Muse never played a Dark Souls game. Not, I mean, that's reasonable. Not Elden Ring, either. Or any of the many Dark Souls clones. But if if someone wants to get started with Castlevania, man, I just recommend Bloodstained. Yeah. It's freaking great. Although, there's one time I had to look up a puzzle. I admit it. Was it the killing the thing to get under the water puzzle? The blood fountain. Oh, yeah. Look, yeah I, I had to look up puzzles twice because I was streaming it, and... Uh, you didn't want to just wander back and forth in one corridor for hours? Yeah, so I'd forgotten about the blood fountain, and I did not realize that I needed to kill the one thing to get the water traversal power. Yeah, but it's still quite a high-quality game, and whatever Ikarashi puts out next, I'm going to buy immediately. Well, it's not really like those puzzles being hard is a bad thing. If you explore a bunch, you'll usually solve them automatically. It's yeah. just... Yeah, just the idea to go into my menu, select a specific attack spell, and use it on a screen with no enemies never occurred to me. It's not even an attack spell. It's a defense spell. You heal from it. But yeah, it's just I had forgotten about those two things and want to slow down the stream. So I had to look up that. And if I wandered around long enough, I'm sure I would have found it. But yeah, best classic Vania is probably Rondo of Blood. Yeah, that's unambiguous. Just perfectly refines the concept. That's the best one. Yeah, Rondo of like. You could not have ended Classic Vania on a higher note than Rondo. Yeah, I was not expecting Symphony of the Night to take it in a Super Metroid direction, but I'm glad it did. 
I enjoy both types of games, but uh, I like the search kind better. Yeah, gotcha. I don't think I have a preference. It's just that the search ones tend to be better on average. Right. Oh, I've got another story similar to the uh, making the first hour of Symphony of the Night one that you might appreciate. Yeah, go for it. So I used to do a lot of music stuff, like constantly, and I was really good at it. I had lots of people like listening to it and being like, God damn, you actually compose that and shit like that just all the time. And uh, I was planning on making a game once I had composed the OST for it. Yeah, and did that ever happen? No, because the hinge on the laptop that I was working on was damaged. So I sent it in to get it repaired. And they would just sent me a new laptop and destroyed my old hard drive. What, with everything on it? Yep. Did he sue them? No. Did you at least call them up and complain? Yes. <sighs> and uh, this is also one of the reasons that I'm so incredibly bitter about uh, Undertale. Because it became a gigantic international success? Because Toby Fox and I followed the same rules of composition and all of our music sounded really similar. <sighs> Yeah, but would your game have had the wacky Reddit fourth wall breaking comedy? I don't know. I just wanted to make the music for it first. But it would have <laughs> had the same level of OST, and that's what really matters. Uh, people today probably just make it with AI or some shit. Yeah. Oh, man. Is there a way to send images over Mumble? Uh, I think you can just paste it into the chat, but uh, if you want, you can send it on shit poster. And I'll put it in the send put it, it on the shit poster. I'll put it in the show notes. So, oh, it doesn't need to be in the show. Oh, wait, are we still recording? Yes. <laughs> oh, I thought we were over with that. Have you just forgotten to hit not record anymore? No. <laughs> uh, I can cut this part out. Eh, I don't care. But, All right. Yeah, I've been uh, actually. I think I've just already posted about it on the shit poster club. You can find this big old fucking like hundred reply thread that I started. Where, uh, I'll just fucking link it to you. Hold on. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, I realized I could use AI to cut out a lot of the workflow of uh, modding N64 games. Yeah, I was going to say, you put Hex Maniac into Ocarina of Time. I mean, I haven't yet, but I could train something up that would uh, recognize uh, texture maps. And generate those for me and just know how to wrap them all. Or just automatically without me having to put any effort in. Yeah, a AI generated art can be a useful tool. It's, it doesn't automatically make you a lazy artist, like I've seen some people argue. There are lots of cool things you can do with it. Uh, uh, I saw this one uh, YouTuber. He's an actual artist and author, and uh, he made a strong defense of using AI art. Let me look for that. My opinion on AI art is that there are exactly two kinds of people that uh, have strong opinions on it. Alright, what's the punchline? The first kind is the people that absolutely despise it. 
The second kind is the people that are smart enough to understand how it works. <laughs> uh, keep talking. Just give me a minute. Because just that's just the consistent pattern I've seen. They're either just like lying about it, don't understand it, have a vested interest in uh, shutting it down, and are arguing in bad faith. And uh, yeah, fuck those people. They're all either stupid, lying, or evil. And like, I can understand having a different opinion from me. It's actually very common. Being wrong happens all the time to other people. But, uh... These people shouldn't ever be listened to because they have no interest whatsoever in, like, even learning a goddamn thing. They're just there to make bad faith arguments and cause problems. Fuck all of them. Okay, I found it. Uh... Uh... <clears throat> The channel has Shadowversity, and uh, he, he made this long, detailed argument defending AI art as he's composing something with AI art. And uh, according to the plugin I have, the list, you see downvotes on YouTube. It, uh, people did not like this, but he was completely right. Yep. It's a stupid social contagion like NFTs. I know at least a small handful of people have gotten rich off of NFTs. So anything that makes poor people richer, I'm usually in favor of. But yeah, they are fairly ridiculous. Yep. What else was the... I saw another one that was like condemning AI art all over the place and like every single... Of every single point that dude made was either a lie or a deliberate misrepresentation. Man, you can't trust people on the internet. Except me. <laughs> In this brave new world of AI art where anything from news studios to live, seemingly live video, to uh, burnt babies on Twitter could easily be AI faked images... The only thing you can really trust is me. Uh, you can trust my opinions to be correct as well. Except when he disagrees with mine. I am never wrong. It's going to be fun. The people who live entirely based off of social pressures won't be able to actually reason their way through anything. And they're going to have a bad time. And I'm going to enjoy laughing at them. Uh, I can't laugh at them because my family's full of them. <laughs> sucks to be you, I guess. Scary, you. Su sucks to be living on planet Earth in the current year. Yeah. Alright, let's wrap this shit up. Okay. I mean, we already got the outro, banishing this podcast back to the place of the sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You want me to just leave all of this chat in? Oh, the sure, final version. Care. All right, cool. So to wrap this up, come to the Fediverse. Shitposter.club is the best website in the world. And All Bones Jones is the best VTuber. It's true. All right, good night. Are you going to say good night? No. All right, you don't have to. <laughs> Stay up, bitches. <laughs>
You need to break your sleep addiction. You don't need eight hours a night. That's disrupting your life. Think about how much more grind you could do if you weren't sleeping ever. Well, maybe skeletons don't need to sleep, but us flesh bags do. Oh, that's just... Oh, no, I need the drug to get through the day. No, you're just a sleep addict. You just need to get over it. Just quit cold turkey. All right, enough of this <laughs> shit. Actual good night. End of episode. The end. Finito.